If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Okay. The therapy that she's doing, the person's giving her these calming strategies of how to soothe herself. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So here's the good news. There are a lot of things that you're telling me that seem like they're helping, but they're not. I'm going to give you a different plan here. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and other big feelings. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way, and I'll even tell you what to say. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Robin. I'm just sort of teasing you. What holiday preparations have you done so far? Okay, so it's easy for me to answer that because the answer is I have done not one thing. Yes, our listeners know one of us is a holiday person and one of us is not. I know. I won't totally ignore it. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I take it back. I ordered two books for my husband today. Oh, that's nice. But I haven't put up my little tree that I put up. Not one thing. I did say to my husband, what are we having on Christmas Eve? And he said, I don't know. So that's as far as we've gotten. Yeah, I'm entering the third final phase of exterior decorating and interior decorating. Wow, phases. Yes. Yeah. No, this just wasn't built in a day. (laughs) I don't have phases. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? As they would say in Canada, good on ya. Oh, no, no, they'd say that in Australia. Sorry, sorry. Good on ya. Good on ya. So speaking of, we release on Friday at midnight East Coast time, which also means that Friday will be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve this year. But we decided we didn't want to recast old episodes. So instead, we're going to do some short Christmas nuggets of wisdom for you. So expect to join us for like 10 minutes on those days because we know you've got a lot going on. Right. If you're in like phase four. You won't have a lot of time to spare. <laughs> and also, just so you know, this is this episode you're going to be listening to is the third in a row of our Fluster Clucks in session. That's right. Because we wanted you to get a feel for what these are going to feel like. After the Christmas nuggets, we're going to go back to our usual format of topics and listener questions, but then weaving these in session episodes into because we really like them and we hope you do too. The teen retreat registration will go live soon. People have been reaching out. Registration will go live in December for the teen retreat. So stay tuned for more information. Okay, cool. So should we dive into our third Fluster Clucks in session? Yes. Tell me about it. Today, we're going to be talking to Tori. Tori is the mom of three kids and it's her middle daughter. So she's got an older son and a younger son and her middle daughter, who's 14. She's a very accomplished, high-achieving, responsible ninth grader. She dances competitively. 
And COVID actually was nice for this team because the slow pace, it sounded like, was sort of a welcome break. But now it's over. And when life resumed, her worry came back in force. It's just ramped up and she hasn't slept in her own room for more than like we just had a three night stretch of her in her own room. And that's like the best it's been for probably since school started, possibly. Mm -hmm. So it's just exhausting. It's exhausting for on our marriage, for sure. I like my sleep and like my downtime in the evening. So you just it's not that, oh, good, kids are in bed. I have an hour to myself anymore. We've tried lots of things like she journals at night. I've done yoga with her in the evenings, like screens are off by it depends because she'll sometimes get home at 8 p.m. So she'll kind of have from eight till nine to wind down sometimes. And then nine to 10 is basically like our bedtime routine. And then now it just has got to the point where the fight's too much. So if she's anxious, it used to be like from 10 to 1130 back and forth into our room. I would start to blow up. I couldn't keep my cool. So now there's a mattress on the floor and it's like you either can do it or you can't, but just make your decision. My husband is not a fan of it at all. and He's not a fan of the mattress? Yes. And he also is very good at supporting her and laying with her, but will lose his cool because she can be so irrational. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of yelling outbursts pounding on the walls sometimes, brother, 11-year-old trying to go to sleep beside her. The biggest problem for Tori right now is bedtime because of the disruption it's causing in the house. But as we talk, it becomes clear that her daughter's worry jumps around. Tori's situation is a great example of how we get sucked into the content, how we try and address the content in a rational way, Tori listens to the podcast, and she's really been trying to stay out of the content. But as you'll see, we talk about how hard that can be, and I give her some ways to fix it. And does most of this show up at night? Does the anxiety show up at bedtime, or does it show up around school? Does it show up in the morning? Does it show up around dance? Where else do you see it? It mostly shows up at night. Um, in the evening, I can try, like, I'll say, how's bedtime going to be? Like, let's talk about those things now. She'll talk to me about her friends. There's lots of drama with school friends and stuff, but it's really not until night that it disrupts her functioning of life. But she will say that her fears and anxiety are with her all day. Mm -hmm. At dance, she had to go upstairs to heat up food and she said she got a panicked feeling and had to run down because she just thought something was going to happen. And it's driven by fear, I think, is where it's coming from. And so she worked hard on Sunday. She had like four hours of dance. She was tired. Her knee hurt. She felt like she had a cut inside her knee. Something terrible, something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I try to re-rationalize it. And it's the catastrophic thinking that you've talked about. Mm -hmm. Like I for sure have my anxiety issues. But I'm not a catastrophic thinker. I've never been like that with my kids. I mean, I get overwhelmed for sure, like busy or just like, oh, like, so they've for sure been witness to that their whole lives. Mm -hmm. What about your husband? No, he is the non-anxious parent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gets grumpy, but. Yeah. So you feel like you're anxious, but not in the way that she's anxious. Correct. 
Okay. And you guys listen to the podcast, so that's awesome. What do you think she knows at this point, or what does she understand about it, and what is she not getting? Over the summer, she struggled a ton with fear of missing out. So her couple of her friends had boats, and she was just it was all about waiting to get invited on the boat. So our family would go camping, our family would do stuff. She couldn't be in the moment because what if she was missing out? Mm-hmm. So that created a lot of issues. So you'd think, okay, the summer she's winding down or things are winding down, maybe she'll do better. Like I keep worrying that it's her busy dance schedule that's not giving her enough time to cope or process. Mm-hmm. But then she now with listening to the podcast has learned, okay, like this is anxiety. These are this angry outburst is coming from feelings that I'm having. We are making huge progress in like the anger comes for a brief moment, but then she can say like, so her great grandmother passed away early November. So that's caused a lot of fear around my something hurts. And what if I have cancer? Mm. Yeah, just irrational fears Mm -hmm. or watched a movie with her friends where a mother, I guess it's a terrible scene. A mother drowns her own children. So very disturbing. Yeah. And she had warned her friends, I don't like scary movies. They promised it wasn't scary. So that was like a good three weeks of that being in the forefront at bedtime. Yeah. So she has learned now, okay, I'm scared of blank. So she's able to come up with that versus outbursts and angry. I feel like those are lessening. They still happen, but less often. And then when you talk about staying vanilla ice cream, I love it. Mm -hmm. We don't get a big A plus on that. We take turns kind of coping and handling it and then just like, oh my gosh, like enough already and for sure rise up. Okay. And she hasn't had any therapy for this? She, We started counseling like a year ago at least. I did it and it just got went nowhere and she wouldn't let me stay in the room. And then now she's had about eight sessions with somebody where she does have counseling and she really likes it. But it's like, journal and oh, here's ways to cope and soothe yourself. Go downstairs and make a cup of milk. Well, she doesn't care to say, I won't go downstairs. I'm too scared on my own. I don't drink milk. (laughs) Okay. The therapy that she's doing, they're just giving her these calming, the person's giving her these calming strategies of how to soothe herself. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So here's the good news. There are a lot of things that you're telling me that seem like they're helping but they're not. I'm going to give you a different plan here. I keep thinking, I'm not focusing on the content, am I? Like, <laughs> Yes, ah, you are. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Tori. You guys are way into the content. That's a hard concept to get. So the way I think you get into the content, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that when she's upset about something, you're believing that it's the something that she's upset about That, well, maybe it's her dance, or maybe it's the fear of missing out, or maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's that her friends showed her that movie. And you're even saying she doesn't worry the same way I worry. So it seems that it's different. You keep trying to figure out why she's worrying about something, and then even specifically what she's worrying about. And when you say you try to be rational with her, so what does that sound like when she's being irrational? It doesn't go anywhere. Like... Yeah, it just makes her mad. Okay, (laughs) it just makes her mad. There can't be a cut inside your knee that doesn't exist. Your knee will feel better after you go to sleep. 
And, you know, so then I'm thinking all empathy, 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 or whatever. Okay. But what that is, what you just described, and this is going to be so helpful because you are not alone in sort of getting stuck in this, is what you described is what we call content-based reassurance. So she is saying something that you were like, that is wackadoodle-doo, darling. I love you, but you're saying you've got a cut inside your knee. So you're trying to rationally talk her out of what she's thinking about and what she's worrying about. So you're trying to be rational with information, with reassurance, and that's being in the content. So you're playing whack-a-mole. You're trying to say, well, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. And what she hasn't learned and what I hate to break it to you, but her therapist sounds like is, is not teaching her either is how does she respond when her worry shows up regardless of what it's about? Because this pattern that she is engaging in is the same over and over and over again. It just happens to be about different things. And so she is worried that something is going to, something bad is going to happen. She's worried. She's worried about everything. She's an equal opportunity worrier. Would you describe yourself as a worrier? No, I grew up with a worrier. My oh, dad, you did? very, very much. Like, but I can have the moment, like my husband would say, I'm a worrier when he's driving. Uh huh. <laughs> but in general, well, okay. I mean, I have certain topics. Money's one thing that can get me going. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you want to keep putting this into these little categories, right? Well, I'm not a worrier, except when my husband is driving and about money, right? So it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. So the content is different. But remember that worry says, I have to know exactly how this is going to happen. I'm going to create this really scary narrative in your prefrontal cortex, and you're going to imagine it. And then it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm going to freak out. It doesn't matter what it's about. That's the important thing. She is jumping from thing to thing. She's worrying about this might happen. This might happen. This might happen. She's a perfectionist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's worried that she's going to make a mistake. She's worried that she's going to screw up. She's worried that something's not going to go the way she wants it. And remember, anxiety says, I need to know exactly what's going to happen. And I need to be comfortable. And I need to have a plan. And if the plan doesn't go the way I like it, if the plan doesn't go the way I hope that it goes, that's too much for me. I can't handle it. And she goes zipping off into the future and starts imagining all of these bad things that are going to come of it. Her knee hurts and she's off and she's going to have to have a knee replacement. Her friends are going to go on a boat without her and she's going to lose their friendships and they're going to have a great time and she's not going to be there. That's exactly it. She even comes out later to say that they're not going to remember me and they're not going to like me anymore. And so the one thing we know about worriers is that they have really good imaginations. I've never met a worrier that doesn't have a really good imagination and she creates these stories. Now, that's probably what your dad did when he was worrying. It's probably what you do, even though you keep telling me that you're not a worrier. I'm, I'm not believing you yet. Okay. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, okay. I, I am a worrier. I can hear or see the catastrophic thoughts and pull them back. But that's probably just learning. I've been to lots of counseling in my life. So. Right. So you're a worrier, and, but you're doing much better with it than she is because you've worked on it. If you learned about it and she's still a rookie. 
We want to focus on you and your husband and her. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then, like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. It's in-network with most major insurers. There's no need to commute to appointments. You won't miss time at work or have to line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. Therapy can help you shift your perspective and find tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with licensed therapists in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Well, many are destined to fail. But lucky for you, here's one easy resolution idea that we gave you that we can all make and it will make your life easier. It'll be kinder to our planet and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024. And that is switching to EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze looks like dryer sheets, but it's ultra-concentrated laundry detergent and it couldn't be easier. You just throw a sheet in with your laundry in any temperature and you watch it dissolve in any wash cycle hot or cold. There's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no fuss, there's no wasteful plastic jug. EarthBreeze fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. The best part is you'll never run out again thanks to EarthBreeze flexible subscription that you can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. And you'll save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping's always free and it comes in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. So switching to EarthBreeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks. That's earthbreeze.com slash flusterclucks for 40% off your subscription all beginning to respond to her worry in a different way. Here are the don'ts. The don'ts are trying to focus on getting her to calm down, trying to focus on distracting her, going down into the kitchen and making some milk. I can tell you in 31 years, I've never given that as a (laughs) intervention for somebody, right? I mean, it's nice. It's fine. And then trying to talk her out of it. So even with all the empathy that you're giving her, saying, I understand, and this feels difficult, even with all that empathy, you're still trying to be rational about this and really focusing on what it is she's worried about and how you can either prove to her that that doesn't make any sense, prove to her that she's just imagining something, or try and help her fix that specific problem. That's all being in the content. So the process is, what does her worry do consistently when it shows up, regardless of what it's about? So if we were to ask her, if I were to ask you, if your worry had a theme, if your worry had a slogan, if your worry was wearing a t-shirt, what do you think her worry would say to her consistently? 
Um, something's going to go wrong. Okay, so something's going to go wrong, and then what do you think comes next? And, like, something bad is going to happen. I mean, right now it's death is her fear, but, or I'm not good enough is kind of the other thing I... Okay, something is going to go wrong, I'm not good enough, and I can't handle mm. what life is going to throw at me. So if I make a mistake, if I have a knee injury, if I miss out on something with my friends, if I get a bad grade, if I forget to hand in an assignment, if I'm watching a scary movie, life is going to throw these things at me and I'm not going to be able to handle it. Her worry says, hey, come on, let's team up here. I am very, very good at getting your worry going and creating these stories and freaking you out, right? So she's really good at freaking out. She's a freaker outer. You're good at worrying, but you're a mature adult woman and you don't have these big freakouts, right? When you hear a noise at night, you don't get up and wake the whole house up and say, oh my God, the house is on fire. That's just the difference between you and her because you're better at managing your worry when it shows up. She is reactive. Has she pulled her worry out? Has she given it a name? Would she be willing to do that? She would, I think. And but no, like we've I remember listening to that podcast that you talked about that. Mm -hmm. But we didn't really get there. Okay. So here's what I would do with her. I, and she's gonna listen to this, I bet. You know that I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to her directly as well. For one, what is going on inside of her and the way that she is feeling and how overwhelmed and scared she feels is just really, really typical of how this thing operates. There's nothing that you're telling me that I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, right? Ooh, this is really out of control. Or, oh, wow, well, geez, I, I shouldn't have had her on the podcast because this is nuts, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is so, so typical. This is exactly how this thing works. Exactly how this thing works. So what we want to do is we want to help her become an observer, a curious observer even, of how her worry shows up, how it hijacks her prefrontal cortex, which is this smart, imaginative part of her brain up here, and how it gets her going. She is really, really good at having a worried thought, having a scary thought, having something happen, and then boom, she just runs with it. And she's off to the races. And her and her worry are there saying, oh my gosh, this is so scary. What's going to happen? And off she goes to these catastrophic conclusions. Yeah. We want her to become an observer of this process. So if I were talking to her, I would say, okay, so let's pull your worry out. Let's just, let's just pull it out. It's a part of her, but we're going to have a look at it. And I would ask her sort of what as a character, if we personify it, what does it look like to you? So I would ask her that. So let's just do that for you. So if you're going to pull your worry out, you've heard me on the podcast talk about, I've got Edith Ethel yeah. and she wears a, she wears a ratty bathrobe and she smokes camel cigarettes and she goes, you'll never get it done. So if we pull yeah. your worry out, what, how would you imagine your worry? I feel like I have done this in my life a long time ago. And I just always picture darkness and like I can feel it in my stomach. So trying to remove it. Yeah, it's just this darkness that weighs you down. Okay, so it's heavy darkness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I was to name it, I don't know. I don't want to use somebody's real name. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody will be offended. Right. It, unless you name it Lynn or Robin, yeah. then we'll be offended. Yeah. But anything else is fine. Um, Gutty Gertrude. Uh, Gutty Gertrude. Okay. Gutty Gertrude. So this Gutty Gertrude, because it feels, you feel it in your stomach. 
mm-hmm. and it's this black weight heaviness. So I would talk to her about that. And then I would ask her, how does she imagine her worry? How does she bring it to life? Because we want to separate it out from her so she can recognize its redundancy. Why we want to stay out of the content is because it just keeps changing tactics and it just keeps changing topics. And you guys are trying to keep up with what she's going to need next. And how are you going to talk to her about this next? It does the same thing. And it shows up and it says, something bad is going to happen. This is going to go terrible and you can't handle it. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then it says, and let's just stay in our head here and let's imagine this horrible thing happening. And then off she goes. Now, remember also that as she's creating these really scary narratives, that that fires off her amygdala, which is that little part of her brain back there. So that's her smoke detector. Her worry, she and her worry are the smoke makers. And then we've got the smoke detector that gets fired off and that gets her body going. It's a very primitive process. So she's really good at doing that. She's really good at doing that. Let's just take going to bed, for example. We want to expect that her worry is going to show up. Let's just say that she names it Joanne. Okay, she's not going to name it Joanne, but you can, she can keep the name Joanne if she wants. But she's, you know. <laughs> We know that Joanne is going to show up at night. And Joanne is going to start in on whatever Joanne's going to be thinking about. And it could be something like death. It could be something that something bad is going to happen. It it could be, it could be, it could be. And she starts getting worried that she's feeling worried. You start getting worried that she's feeling worried because it's like, oh, here we go again, right? Oh, God. So you start feeling tense. Your husband's like, oh, God, here we go. Maybe it causes tension between the two of you because he's like, I don't want to do this. You're getting frustrated and resentful because you want to have some relaxing time because it's nice when the kids are out of your hair. And her and her worry just won't get out of your hair. So much so now that she's got a little condo set up in your bedroom with her (laughs) mattress and that kind of stuff. (laughs) Not unusual, by the way. (laughs) Joanne shows up. I want her to pay attention to not specifically what Joanne says, because that's the content, Mm -hmm. but how she gets sucked in to Joanne's predictions of doom and how can we get her to begin to be a curious observer of these things so she hears what Joanne does? She hears what Joanne says. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so important, and I say, that, I say this to teenagers all the time, don't believe everything you think. Just because you think it doesn't make it so. And we know you have a part of you that is really, really good at creating these scenarios and these situations and you're what-ifing all over the place. What she's worrying about is the least important part of this. The most important part is that when her worry shows up, she is treating it like breaking news. She is treating it like it's something that needs to be addressed, that it's a crisis, that the house is on fire. She is acting as if her thoughts are real And that this worry is a predictor of doom. And it really, at this point, is just a pattern that she's gotten sucked into. That's what she's, that's what she's experiencing right now is like that worry is the like, boom, something Mm -hmm. bad's going to happen versus being like, oh, there's that feeling. Oh, that worry's here. Yep. So here's the difference. So Joanne shows up. What Joanne says is some version of blah, 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 and you can't handle it. 
And the blah, blah, blah could be, I'm not going to remember my dances. She's an equal opportunity worrier. Yeah. Doesn't matter. She'll go from choking on a raspberry to dying in a plane crash, right? Whatever. Because it's about uncertainty. So now she's recognizing it. And what you're going to do is when her worry shows up, you're going to say, okay, so here's this familiar thing that we know. We know worry well. This is what worry does all the time to everybody. And how are you going to create a little distance from it? So one of the things I have kids do oftentimes is to think about somebody or a situation or a circumstance where they do not buy in at all. So is there somebody at school that she's like, oh, please, right? Is there a YouTube person? Is there a politician? I can think of a lot of politicians around here that when they start talking, I'm like, oh, for the love of. How do we throw it an eye roll? Because right now she's taking her own thoughts and her own worry so seriously. She is acting as if they're real. So we want to be like, oh, there it is again. There it is again. So here it comes, right? Okay. In the best case scenario, she's going to say, oh, you know, you're right, mom. There's my worry. I'm recognizing it. That's so helpful that you point that out to me. I'm really working on being able to distance myself from my worry. And you are just being so tremendously helpful. I so appreciate <laughs> your support. Right. You're laughing. What probably is going to happen is that you're going to put this in place, not when she's anxious about something, but mm -hmm. put this in place. She's going to start to ramp up and you're going to say to her, oh, okay, darling, now I recognize there's your worry. And she's going to say something along the lines of, it's not my <laughs> right? She's going to say, and that's stupid. And why are you talking to me about that? And I don't even think this works. And she's also going to say, and I think you said this in your letter, I already know about worry. I already know how to handle this. And you're not telling me anything new that I don't do. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a load of baloney. She doesn't know how to handle this. And that's okay. But she right now is doing the exact opposite. So what she's really good at at this point is making her worry bigger. She is giving it attention. She is giving it legitimacy. She is giving it validation. She is giving it time and space to blossom. And so we want everybody, including you, to step out of that pattern. Yeah. Worry is a predictable pattern. It shows up. It may have different content. But the process is absolutely the same. What we hope will happen after a period of time, because she's going to have to practice this a little bit, is that she buys in to what I'm saying. Because as soon as she starts yeah, budding, and as soon as she starts saying, yeah, but well, maybe I was worried about that before, but this is real. Okay, so maybe my knee wasn't hurt, but this is real. She's just pulling you into different content. And you've got to work hard to not take that bait. Yeah. The content may be different, but the process is the same. So she's going to get pissed. She's going to get cranky. She's going to get desperate. She's going to push back. But mixed in with that is she's going to start to really feel a little bit more empowered to say, you know, this is what my worry does. And it's so predictable and it's so boring. The difference between people who freak out about their worry and people who just get annoyed by it is whether or not they believe the story the worry is telling. You are much farther down the road 
So when you start worrying about money or you start worrying about your husband driving, mm-hmm. you pull yourself back in. You recognize it. You say, okay, so I'm worrying. You give yourself a little talk. You say, I'm not going to get sucked into this. I'm not going to play this game. That's the difference between you not freaking out and your daughter freaking out. Yeah. When you say that, it's like, yeah, and those times I do freak out is because my mind does continue going and I can't rein it in. Or That's right. The movie keeps playing. And so you're watching the movie and it's getting worse and worse and worse and you're imagining it and you're getting sucked into it. That's how this thing works. Okay. So awareness of that feeling and that worry coming in is number one here, Mm -hmm. helping her to recognize it. Hey, this is your worry. I'm not going to talk about the content right now. Right. Let me know what you need. Like, Yeah. Well, so then you say, okay, so how do we want to respond to it? When we're responding to worry when it shows up, here's the don't. We don't want to say, go away forever and ever. We don't want to do anything that sort of supports the idea that we have to eliminate it. So we don't want to say, go away and never show up again or whatever. The response that I want you and I want her to have to it is not based on the content. So you don't want to do any rationalizing. You don't want to say your knee is going to be fine or you know your dance steps or blah, blah, blah. You want to say, hi, worry. This is what you always do. You can say to your daughter very empathically, I know this feels overwhelming to you, but this is a really familiar pattern, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so she can say to her worry, take a break or yeah, can you just take a break? Can you just go do your thing somewhere else? Or even to say to it, I know you're going to show up and be chirping in my ear, but I'm not really going to give you the time of day. I'm not really going to get absorbed. So as soon as she begins to recognize that this is a pattern rather than reality, as soon as she begins to think of this as a mental game, right now she's treating her worry as if her worry is her life coach Mm -hmm. and that her worry is really giving her important information that she needs to pay attention to and that she needs to get absorbed in. I want it to be more of a pattern that she notices, and ultimately an annoyance. Behaviorally, what you have to do and what she has to do is to start doing the opposite of what her worry demands. Now, a lot of her worry is internal. So she's imagining things. So so say you have a kid who's worried about death. We say, well, how do we do the opposite of that? With that, we just say, oh, that's my worry. That's why the content doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We can't do the opposite of death. But if she says, in order for my worry to get better, I need to sleep in your room. And you say, okay, you can come sleep. Now, I totally get why you're doing it because you want to get some sleep. But that's saying to the worry, in order for me to be safe, in order for me to be okay, these are the rules that I need to follow. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I need to do. The worry, the cult leader is saying to you and saying to your husband and saying to all of the kids, These are the rules that we have to follow. And if you don't follow the rules, I'm going to make a huge issue and everybody's going to be up. You can say to her, so we're not going to do things that make the worry stronger. Because every time that we say to the worry, what you're saying is valid and true and scary, we better take action based on what you're saying. So that's why it's good to pull the worry out and give it a name because then you can talk about it with a little bit of distance, right? So she names it Joanne and you say, every time that I do something that Joanne wants, Joanne is like, oh, thank you, mom, for helping us out. 
Every time you concede that Joanne is in charge, Joanne says, thank you for helping me out. And your daughter also says, this is what I need. In order for me to feel okay, I need you to do what worry wants. It's going to feel hard for her at first because you're not playing along with worry's demands. But we want her and you and your husband, we want you guys to work together. So I want you guys to be a team rather than she and her worry teamed up, you getting sucked in sometimes because you're tired. Mm -hmm. I want the three of you and the five of you really to be a, a united front against this tricky thing that's pulling you all in. We are truly, very concretely laying down new track in her brain Mm -hmm. so that she is not responding to worry so quickly and so automatically and so dramatically. Is worry going to show up? Absolutely. And in fact, almost paradoxically, we want to say, and it won't be hard for you to do this actually, we're going to do things on purpose that we know are going to make worry show up. That's not going to be hard. The reason that you do that is because we want to give her opportunities to deal with Joanne. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm a huge Patriots fan. They played the Buffalo Bills last night and they won. When the Patriots are going to go into a place in which there are conditions that might be difficult, in practice, they will try and replicate those conditions so that when they're in the wind, when they're in the crowd noise, they'll have some familiarity to it. This is what we're going to do with you guys, is that you are going to step into the conditions so that you and she get practice handling worry when worry shows up. The biggest mistake that people make is trying to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, nod, nod, wink, wink. If when you invite it in, which is, again, not going to be hard for you to get it to show up. But when you say, welcome, worry. Oh, how nice to see you again. We knew you were going to show up. That makes it less powerful. So it's paradoxical. The more that you try and get rid of this thing, the more that you try and talk her out of it, the more that you try and rationalize it, the more that you say, all right, we're just going to do what worry wants, the stronger it gets. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right? About all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. I know with my kids, we really wanted to help them see the cause and effect, right? If you spend money now, you're not going to have it later. If you earn money now and you save it, maybe you can put it towards some big purchase that you're looking forward to. This is called financial literacy, and it allows kids to build independence, to learn how money works, to make them better savers, better spenders. The Greenlight app also comes with an in-app financial literacy game. It's called Level Up, so that kids can build money confidence through videos, bite-sized challenges, mini games, and more. More than 6 million parents and kids use Greenlight to learn how to make 
responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. Hey, so the other day I had to change my car insurance and guess what? I bought new car insurance and they sent me a check, right? So that you could buy something and get money back at the same time doesn't happen very often. And it's pretty darn fun. That's why you got to check out Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop. On hundreds of items, from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. So the average Ibotta user earns $256 a year. That's actually more than I got back on my car insurance, I'll tell you. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to too much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So join the 50 million users, earn cash back every time you shop. Over 2,700 brands, everybody. Retailers, including Lowe's, Sephora, Best Buy. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code FLUSTER when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use the code FLUSTER. That's I-B-O-T-T-A and use the code FLUSTER. Like, so for example, we, I talked to her about this, we do this. Now worry shows up and it's 10 at night and then we are going, oh, there's your worry. Yeah, those feelings come. Remember, it doesn't matter what the worry is about. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings right now? I would use the word thoughts with her more than feelings, actually. Okay, yeah. Okay, so your thoughts are there and can you let them pass or can you move them aside? Because right now it's bedtime. We're just going to let them be there. Okay. But they're meaningless. Okay. Right? They're meaningless. And so then you want to say to her, now ahead of time, you want to practice this ahead of time. You want to say to her, so what's our response going to be to worry when it shows up? There you are again. I know that you're trying to create scary thoughts and feelings. I know you want me to get sucked into and believe these are real. So it's fine if you're there, but I'm not playing. Mm -hmm. It might be helpful for her to write this down on a piece of paper so that she has it nearby because what she will say is, okay, I understand when you're telling me this now, mom, when it's four o'clock in the afternoon, but at 10 o'clock at night, I can't remember all this stuff. So have her write it down. Again, I don't care what she's worried about. I truly don't. Have her write down what she's going to say to worry when it shows up. And it's going to be things like, I knew you were going to show up. I find you annoying. You're really good at firing off my amygdala and I get sucked in. So you can say what you want to say, but I'm not taking the bait. Now, wouldn't it be great if she said that once and then her worry went away and you were like, wow, that was, that was easy. Yeah. It can happen quickly. And the reason I'm optimistic that there can be change in this is because, and I don't mean this in any sort of harsh or judgy way, 
you guys have just been doing the opposite of what is helpful. So <laughs> if you've been saying to me, oh, we've been doing this and this, and we haven't been in the content, I'd be like, all right, how can we tweak this a little bit? We don't have to tweak it. We just have to start from scratch. It's good news. Like I hear what you're saying. I'm like, okay, I still feel like this could be an hour of at least or back and forth, back and forth for a few nights until she's comfortable with this. She's not going to be comfortable. Right. Right. So let's get rid of the idea she's going to be comfortable because people will say, well, we want her to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. No, no, she's going to be uncomfortable. Here's the tip that I always give parents. And I think it's going to, when you say it's going to last an hour, I think this is going to be really helpful. Talk 85% less. Okay. Because that's going to get you sucked into the content. Mm -hmm. It's going to piss her off at first, but it's really going to be helpful if you have a few standard lines that you just keep running through. And it really is okay for you to say, I'm not going to talk to your worry anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's okay for you to say, I love you. I totally understand that this is hard and that you're learning something new, but I'm not working for the worry. And so like, I can rub your back or whatever, or is that kind of buying into? I mean, the goal is ultimately, right? She's 14 years old and you have a mattress in your bedroom. That isn't a little problem. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it's become a bigger problem, not less of a problem. This wasn't the issue when she was 12. So. Right, right. So I'd get the mattress out of the bedroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is between her and her worry. She's pulled all of you in. I am firing you now from being on the worry support team. And so you can be supportive of her, but it really is okay for you to say at 14, this is what we're going to do. And maybe you say, you know, you can go to bed and I'll come in and check on you in a little while. This is what I do with five-year-olds. You stand at the door and you say, I just want you to let, let you know I'm here and I love you, right? Lots of empathy, lots of understanding, lots of love, but get the mattress out. The worry is taking over and you can say to her, we are not blaming you for this. You didn't do this on purpose, mm -hmm. but we all need to take responsibility for this pattern that is now taking over our house. Yeah. I don't want your brothers to be kept up. I don't want to be kept up. And I certainly don't want you to be kept up. So as of right now, this family is no longer buying into the rules that your worry is making for you and for me and for the boys. We're just not going to do it. And I know this is going to take some practice and I know that you can do it. I'm going to love you through it, but I'm not playing this game anymore. And you could ask her this too, and you could ask your husband this, the three of you can talk about this. What are all of the safety behaviors or the accommodations that you guys do during the day in, in order to appease her worry? You know, they may just become sort of automatic. Yeah, I know you've talked about this as well, and I've thought about that and had trouble mm, sort of recognizing them, I think. But yeah, I know there's some I'll have to pay attention. Yeah. Safety behaviors are the things that you're doing in service of her worry. So the way to check in with yourself about that is to say to yourself, is this something I'm doing because her worry is demanding it of me? Putting the mattress in your room is absolutely a huge safety behavior. 
The thing I think you probably want to pay attention to is what I said at the beginning is the content-based reassurance. Mm -hmm. So when she starts talking to you about her worry and engaging you in conversation about it, that you step in and try and give her information and rationalize it and that kind of stuff. And I would be really careful because what often happens in therapy is that a therapist will say, well, what's the likelihood of that happening? And let's talk about whether or not that's a rational fear. And do you really think that that's going to happen? I don't do that. And that's a really common thing that people do. They say, are your friends really going to disown you if you don't go on the boat? Because the worry will then just jump onto something else. If you're able to rationalize it with her in a way that she accepts it, like if she says, you know, I'm really afraid of vampires and you're able to prove to her there's no such thing as vampires, it'll just move to something else. Mm -hmm. So stay away from that content-based reassurance. And you are absolutely allowed to, and in fact, I encourage you, that if you get sucked into it and if it blows up or if you do something, to do a little post-game analysis afterwards and say, you know what, I'm really working to try and interrupt these patterns, but I got sucked into. So we're going to have to keep working on this because this is hard for me to change my patterns also. Yeah. And just be very open with her about it. Just be very direct. Be caring. Be firm. Yeah. And don't engage when, but mom, like I am so worried I'm going to fail a test tomorrow. I didn't know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to sit there quietly and be like, yeah, your worry is really taking hold right now. Exactly. Perfect. Your worry is really taking hold right now. Oh, thank you, mom. That's so helpful for you to give me that <laughs> reminder, right? She's going to be like, no, this is real. I say to kids when they're in my office, I predict for them. I say, so your mom will say this or your dad will say this. And you'll say, you don't understand. This is different. It's real this time. You are not listening to me. You're going to say, I hate Lynn Lyons. <laughs> this is stupid. This is never going to work. This is what your counselor told you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have kids that will say like, don't you Lynn Lyons me. But you've just got to stay. You got to be vanilla ice cream. Okay right? That's going to be the hardest challenge for you. Mm -hmm. But talk less, say less, be boring in your responses. And just ride it out. Just ride it Back out. Back to toddler days. Yeah. Back to toddler days. Yep. Funny, even though listening to you about the content thing, like it's so hard to see it when you're in it. Absolutely. So she just jumps around. She's an equal opportunity worrier. And that's what they do. The content jumps around. Yeah. And that's the case for most people. Yeah, I guess so. And then learning how to cope with recognizing it and calming it down. No calm. Forget the word calm. Responding to it differently. Okay. Responding to it differently. So detaching from it, disconnecting from it. Like I've probably learned, like, that's why I love running. I realize when I exercise. I feel better. And I know she, you know, that sort of stuff helps her too. But finding that, oh, right. Oh, when this feeling comes, I like to go do something. At this point, really stay away from anything that says, I have to get rid of this thing. That will come, but that's where you're going to get sucked in. So you really want to say, it's going to be there. It's going to show up. We're going to change our relationship to it. It's your reaction to it that really keeps this going, 
not the fact that it's showing up, but your reaction to it. So you're going to change your relationship to it. You're going to change your relationship to it. Like yoga, kind of the, <laughs> like the feelings and thoughts yep, come that's in right. and you just like, it's okay that they're there and you don't. Exactly. Exactly. That's why mindfulness is helpful. That's why Buddhism is helpful because you're saying, I am just going to be an observer what's, of what's going on around me. Yep. Okay. I wish it was that easy and I will do my best. And I certainly, my oldest tends to have some worrying thoughts. So it'll definitely mm -hmm. help him as well. He's just 17 and didn't go this route quite as strongly. Yeah. It is not easy, but it's simple. It's simple in its redundancy, in its predictability, but it is not easy, particularly if she's going to push back against it, which she will because she really wants everybody to work for her worry right now. And it feels very important for her that everybody do that. And it's up to you and your husband to say, we're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. I like that. So everybody join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn an upcoming question on an episode and that you'll get all the information about our 2022 events first. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.